0: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode.
1: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast that is dedicated to teamwork, leadership, and culture or what I like to call the TLC of business. Hi, my name's Greg Gregory, founder and host of the Teamwork Advantage. And we're excited to be starting our fourth season of the Teamwork Advantage here as we get into the new year. And as we have done in the past, we're bringing you exciting interviews with people from across the globe, with ideas in different cultures, different businesses, different models, uh, and different complete industry changes about how they have teamwork, leadership, and culture, and specifics in certain areas. And today is no exception. Joining us today from the Los Angeles area is Yair Reamer. And Yair Yair is currently the CEO of Intu. And it's a leading career mobility solutions provider for the human resources, higher education, and workforce sectors. He has over 15 years of experience as a founder, operator in people tech and ed tech industries, Building innovative career development. And that's the key thing, because with this pandemic that is lurking over us, which most of us thought would last a few months, has now lasted pushing two years. And things are changing, the way our business is changing. And yara is going to talk to us about that and what companies can do and how to make them become more strong, more customer-centric, more team-based-centric, and more high-culture-centric. He's also previously served as president at CareerArc, a leading HR tech company focused on employer brand. Prior to that, he was a founding member and chief marketing officer at Internships.com, the world's largest student-focused internship marketplace, which was successfully acquired by uh, Chegg. Earlier in his career, he was the founding team member of AmuseU, uh, an SaaS SAS mobile solutions for higher education institutions where he led product development. In a very short period of time, Yair has really moved up the ladder, understanding things and bringing it to us, uh, bringing it to us, everybody in a different light. So we're excited to have him joining us from the Los Angeles area. Yair, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage.
0: Greg, thank you so much for, uh, for having me and, and, and being able to share some insights and have a great conversation on what's the most important thing in my mind of being successful in business, which is teamwork and collaboration so appreciate it very much
1: yeah it's, it's so funny when we listen to people's quotes from sports industries we always hear about you know it's a team effort it's a team effort it's a team effort what people fail to realize is it's a team effort in business you know there's no doubt about that so what i wanted is i want to talk a little bit if you just give us a background we read it off real fast there in your bio but if you can just give sure. us a little background on how you got to where you are you've ping-ponged across the country uh, a couple of times, I think, business wise. So sure. tell us how you got to where you are and a little bit behind into and we're going to get into culture and all that in just a few minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a family that that traveled uh, uh, quite a bit from from my, my mom and my dad's work growing up. So across a number of countries, a number of states in the US and then also sort of in my corporate career, I've worked in very various places from Tel Aviv to Boston, Nashville, Los Angeles and um, I think for me, uh, the the biggest probably um, connector amongst all of my experiences has been trying to work with within organizations or within teams that were um, doing something new or something disruptive or something that I hadn't come across before. So, um, you know, working with a with a number of different startup companies, and I think I was really fortunate enough, especially in my last two or three ventures, to be surrounded informally or formally by mentors, people who had done it before me. So. Um, old CEO of CareerArc, uh, gentleman Robin Richards, and previously my my manager, a gentleman named Stuart Lander, and number number of people that I've sort of looked up to for um, for inspiration. And you know, with with luck and hard work, you can get places. But I certainly wouldn't discount the element of um, of luck. You know, you're sitting next to someone. I'm sitting next to, to to this gentleman in my little brother's college graduation. My brother graduated from from college and mid 2000s, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm sitting next to a guy. I was working in Boston at the time and he was an entrepreneur. And uh, he said, look me up when you come out to LA. And we had this long conversation. And um, next thing I knew a couple of years later, I was out in LA. I looked him up and he ended up hiring me and ended up working for him. And so small connections, I think we were talking about it um, earlier, Greg, but small connections in life and these serendipitous moments can sort of take you a long, take you a long way.
1: You know, what you just talked about is so key, and I've talked about this before. Often, who we know will get us our foot in the door, but what we do once our foot is there is what builds our legacy. And just because you got hired when you came out there, that was no guarantee that you were going to be successful. And that was your dedication, your hard work from that point on. A little luck got you in the door, but beyond that, it was hard work. I think that's
0: exactly right. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, you can have the uh, the uncle or the aunt or the cousin who gets you the internship, but if you don't do a great job on the job, that internship is not going to turn into a full-time hire, a full-time position. You know, the, the favor is for the internship, not for the long-lasting career and the promotion. So yeah. I think you're right. And um, and I think it's uh, it's important for people who can who are in leadership positions to realize that a lot of what they've done, I think the most humble leaders realize a lot of what they've done has been through a lot of help and a lot of luck. And um, they've got to look and see if they can try to maximize that for others who may not have those opportunities.
1: And I can't remember who said the quote, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Uh, So let's talk. There's several things I want to try and address with you today as we start to go through this. And teamwork, of course, is part of it. Culture is a huge part of it. And (laughs) culture, there's mistakes people make in culture. And... (laughs) people make mistakes let's face it we are a human society we're going to make mistakes how can you build a culture that's really where organizations can learn from mistakes and not really break the backs of the employees
0: yeah absolutely yeah I think um so so I I I grew up a a bit in Israel and there's a famous um sort of father of Israeli high-tech startups his name is Yossi Vardy and uh you've already has this quote, which is basically like has it has this mantra, which is failure spurs success. Right? There are so many, um, so many companies he invested in, so many startups he tried to work with that never made it. But then you only are remembered for the big ones. You're remembered for ways, right? On your phone, the biggest Israeli success story, or AOL Instant Messenger, which came out of Israel. So I think, you know, when you're asking about leadership and asking about culture and how companies um, can instill sort of a a mood where people can learn from mistakes or or learn from failures. I think you have to really talk about um, honesty and authenticity and making people feel really comfortable. So if they trust you to be able to make those mistakes, then then you're putting in a culture where you're not hiding that, right? So Mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I think is important is share those mistakes with your team. Don't just hide it if you made an error, because if you only share, we won this customer, we developed this product, people are going to think the only thing that's revered is we won this customer. But if you share, this is how I made a mistake. This is, this was the approach that I shouldn't have taken. You're putting that out there in the world. Sometimes it's as easy as, as communicating. I will tell you a quick story. Um, So there was a a company um, in the nineties in, in, in New Jersey, Northern New Jersey called Warner Lambert. It's now Pfizer, but it was a big, you know, uh, consumer goods, pharmaceutical company, a bubble gum, Neosporin, cream, Listerine mouthwash, right? Big, big, uh, massive company. And, and the, their R&D team every single month gave an award. They called it the banana award. And their R&D team gave, gave an, an award for the biggest failure, yeah. the biggest failure every single month. They'd get together and they'd get in front of the room and they'd give the guy a banana at lunch and he'd eat the banana in front of the whole group or, or the woman. And they'd say, tell us what you learned from this failure. Because I think um, there have to be so many product failures before you can have that single success and and have that accomplishment. So I think for us at Intu, we focus so much on speed and innovation that mistakes and failure are okay because we're so small. We have to work so fast. Um, So if leaders communicate that that it's okay, then then it really uh, it really can make others feel much more comfortable, you know, being being courageous, being courageous in the workplace.
1: You brought up two very key elements in what you just said. Number one is trust. We've talked about that in probably over 90% of our podcasts of the importance of trust. So there's no doubt you've hit that button. Um, And in particular, I I focus in a lot on vulnerability trust. So that's, that's key. So that people feel comfortable with failing. So that they see you as the leader failing and acknowledging it. And then the other thing that I love is, and I've talked about this, you've talked about it just now, and that is celebrate your failures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Social media has really hurt us so much because all we tend to see is the glamour shots, the beauty stuff. Uh, You see these TikTok videos with people doing these incredible stunts. What we don't see is how many times they did it and fell flat on their butt.
0: Exactly correct. I mean, imagine I saw one recently, my brother-in-law sent me, with a ping pong ball that goes from here and goes to there. And 20 minutes later, there's a basketball hoop. And, and it's sort of one of these marble maze things. And, and of course that that took a hundred takes guys. Right. And so, um, but they don't show you those hundred takes. So in an organization, uh, you hit it on the head, with social media. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think having that authenticity and having the ability to share, to share that makes people realize we're human and we make mistakes and, and that's okay. And that's normal. We don't have to be something different.
1: That's one of the things I love watching in movies is I love to see the outtakes.
0: Exactly. You know, yeah.
1: it, it, it brings it out that direction. So getting the culture in there and letting people know it's okay to make mistakes is key. And that starts with building trust. So now as we start to look, your business is focusing in on the challenges that we're dealing with today. In the pandemic, there's downsizing, there's upsizing, there's side sizing. And that, that hasn't yeah. changed and a lot of the problems that we're facing, they really haven't changed. They've just been magnified by the pandemic. That's right. And so what can companies do? I mean, there is this talk going through and it has been for months now, the great resignation. Yep. So you're seeing that. You're seeing companies lay and you're seeing them lay off senior workers. There's a huge push right now. Baby boomers are leaving in droves. Mm-hmm. And Gen X, there's not enough Xers to fill a lot of those positions. So now then we're getting to what I still call Gen Ys and the millennials. So how all this starts to work? What, what What's happening today? So can you give us a little insight?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's a really candidate-driven market today, right? So there's something like 160 million people in the workforce right now and, uh, and 15 million open jobs, something like that. So um, so the competition for talent is, is intense. Um, there's a big focus with COVID on how we work. So there's a huge change of where we work. I think, you know, people used to listen to this podcast, as you've mentioned, on their drive-in. Now they listen to it on their walk around the neighborhood, working from home, uh, walking their dog. So, um, so the, the challenge for organizations is to figure out how can I um, engage my workforce? How can I engage these individuals? wherever they are, whether we're in an office or whether we're virtual and you spoke about the great resignation. How can I retain them? How can I retain employees? So let's think of, you know, let's think of one or two examples when when you're talking about employee retention. Um, first we, we hit it on, on, on the head earlier in the conversation, it's culture. You can't mandate a great company culture. It's not one of these things that you can just say, we're going to read it off a textbook, right? Here, here it is. You have to, um, have to just kind of build it you have to just list sort of live it so for me at into and for many of our our, our our partners or clients in hr i wrote i work with hr leaders so every day i'm speaking to someone who's responsible for either recruitment or benefits or employee rewards hr right and uh, i think the best leaders managers whether they're in hr or responsible for any group really um listen to their employees hyper hyper focus on listening right um Think about a job interview, for example, right? You know, Most companies ask you questions, 45, 50, 55 minutes, and they give you five minutes at the end or 10 minutes at the end to, to ask yours, right? So where's that power? That power has always been with the employer, but it's shifting now. Candidates have options. Candidates can work from home. And uh, candidates can, 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 you know, can work across state lines virtually when they, when they couldn't before. So if you really listen to what your employees want or if you listen to what your candidates want, Um, And you recognize them and engage them. I think uh, active listening is is a really great, great, uh, great way to discover areas for improvement, which then keeps your culture strong and keeps you retaining those employees rather than having them fall apart, victim to this great, great resignation.
1: So there's companies out there. uh, I think it's H-E-B out of Texas does a great job. You've got Wegmans, which of course is just consistently, uh, in there. Uh, you've got the container store. You've got all these organizations that are great places to work because they've got that culture. What can companies do today? You, you said that you just can't mandate it, and that's absolutely sure. true. So how how can a company start to bring that culture about so that they can hire and bring in the best people? Or is it we bring in the best people and that drives our culture, or does the culture drive the yeah. people? It's a chicken yeah. egg thing.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned great place to work. So when I think of great place to work, I think of a proxy term of employer brand. So I think um, there's three main stakeholders, and I can and and I think you don't have to be a Wegmans, you don't have to be a Costco, a Trader Joe's. There's all these retail success stories where they treat their employees well, and they and they build this this culture of trust. Uh, and you don't have to spend millions of dollars either, right, to to, to do it as well. But um, for me, I think of employer brand, and I think of three key stakeholders. I think of candidates. So how do you treat the experience of those people that are applying to work? Because they have friends who have friends of friends who have word of mouth, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what's that experience? Um, I think of people within the organization. So your employees. How can we help uh, someone who is inside the organization engage them, et cetera, through recognition? And then I think in the employee life cycle, you know, your brand is a great place to work, but but what's your reputation when someone when someone leaves the organization as well? So when someone's exiting, you know, the first mm-hmm. impression and the last impression. So on the first impression side, I would say those companies do a great job of being open and communicating about their values from the front end um, and, and and the experiences. So say for example, you're applying to work at a, at a supermarket chain. Um And uh, there's 50 other applicants and you don't get the job. Well, how are those 49 people who have come into the store, printed out a resume, done an interview on the phone, going to feel about your brand? You have two, you have have a critical option there. One is see you later, ignore them. Don't reply to the email. Pick the one winner. Greg's the winner. You're the manager now of the store. You're the cashier or wherever you're working. And the 49 others live in the world option, two, most companies unfortunately take option one. Yeah, You know what? I'm not going to reply to those guys, et cetera. Option two, the company who cares about their brand and who cares about their reputation and who knows smart business will say, you know what? I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to give them an email. I'm going to say, we're so sorry, Greg. There were 50 applicants. You were really excellent. Stay part of my talent community. Join my email network because there's another store five miles away and may have an opening in the next couple months. And you never know. And we want to give you this resource. Or we want to help you out, et cetera, et cetera. So that's um, a small, easy, easy thing. It's a small, easy, free thing that all you have to do is communicate. Just reply to that candidate. And he or she will think of your organization in a totally different way. And double benefit, they'll probably continue shopping at your store. Because if you ignored them, you know, as a consumer. So I make this joke to my family. I'm a huge sports fan. And I lived in Boston for many years in New Jersey. I make this joke in, 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 in my family, which is I'm still waiting to get that job um, response from the Boston Celtics that I applied to in 2001. So 21 years ago, I applied to work at the Boston Celtics, but they never said no. They never said no. So it's 2022. I'm sitting there. 21 years ago, I made this application, but they never said they never said no to me. They never they never declined me. I'm still I must still be in the running, right? And that's not a great way to feel when you're someone who's working so hard and you're applying. Right. So I think it starts on the front end, and then really when you're inside of a company, well, you could spend hours. But I think um, I think communication and, and recognition is, is pretty pretty critical and pretty key. Um, you're a great place to work if you feel recognized. You know, why do you love your job? You know, if you can ask yourself that question and the po- answers are really positive, or the list is really long, that company's doing a, that company's do, doing a good job. Um, so I'd say those are some of the key key levers that organizations um, can impact how they're seen as, as a great being a great place to work.
1: Okay. Your example was great. And by the way, uh, I got into the speaking and training business because one client that I ended up getting a contract for followed option two. Yep. I sent out resumes to about 10 training companies Heard from none of them. I did hear from one says, thank you for applying, but we don't have a space for you right now. We'll keep your information on file. And sure enough, six months later, they call me back.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So That's,
1: that's the power that you start to see there. So it's not just in the retail side of things. We've got a lot of folks on the podcast that listen to us in the human um, human resources arenas. We've also got a lot in the information technology side of things, help desks, call centers. So all of those are still right there. And then, so a lot of times people say, how do you measure culture? You can't measure attitude. You can't measure that. I believe you can. So what are your thoughts?
0: I think you can. I think um, there are easy KPIs, right? There are things like pulse surveys. You can send out a pulse survey and see what your NPS score is. But honestly, you got to have a hard look at yourself as a leader or manager. What, what's, your, what's your retention rate at your company? Are people staying? Are they leaving? Uh, are they happy, right? I think, um, are, do you have an alumni network that's referring boomerang employees? Are they coming back? Are they referring their friends? If your hires are through referrals and you're retaining most of your employees, it speaks for itself. That means people are recommending their friends or friends of friends to come work for you. If your hires are all through indeed.com or LinkedIn and you can't get a single person in your company to advocate and, and refer and find someone else and bring someone on, you probably have to work on figuring out why aren't people screaming at the mountaintops more about, about your organization? So mm-hmm. there are a lot of companies there that, that um, measure, you know, your, your, your culture. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, the employee actions speak pretty loud. And so yeah. if they're there and they're staying and they're performing, um, more often than not, it's going to be it's, it's, it's because it's a good place to work. And they have a clear pathway to be successful for the future.
1: One of the things that you can also look at is the positive attrition rate. So if people are moving up in an organization, that's creating more frontline positions. So getting the positive attrition starts to build, and that builds that through there as well. Exactly right. We've kind of touched on this already, but I want to see if you want to take it any deeper here. And that's beyond... Listening to and the the listen to your employees, listen to your uh, people as they're coming on board or uh, uh, coming in as an applicant or leaving. Those three, I think, are key areas absolutely. But what else can organizations do? And I want to th- try and think now from both the global side and sure. then filter that down to the front line of most businesses today. And again, if we can stay away out of the retail, it'd be great. But what can they do to set company A away from company B and C and D and all that? What can they do?
0: Sure. So I think when you're thinking of, when you're starting to think of recruitment and, and sourcing, I think companies can set themselves apart in the war for talent when you're thinking of um, creative ways to find people, right? So, you know, there's a famous quote, you know, why did why did Willie Sutton rob banks, Right because that's where the money money was, was. right? That's where the money was. (laughs) And so, um, so I'm a really big believer in, in knowing and owning who you are and being authentic. So if you are in a certain niche, it doesn't have to be retail, it could be it. There's probably vertical job boards, niche job boards, communities on Reddit for call center managers, right? Hang out there, be an expert there. Don't go to a place that's generic, like an Indeed like uh, not, nothing against it, Indeed, it's the greatest, you know, it's biggest job board by, by inventory in the world and volume. Um, but I think a, a targeted approach is one way to really differentiate when you're looking at competition, when it's sort of recruiting and, 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 and sourcing. When you're looking inside of a company and you're looking at retaining your your employees, I think a hyper focus here really is on, um, you know, how can you use your employees to show to the rest of the world and spotlight your best and your brightest. And um, so we used uh, a former company, what we did was we actually sent an email out to so the whole company, it's about hundred people. And we asked them one question, why do you love your job? And it was it was two, two, two purposes uh, came out of that. One was we wanted to see what was going on with our people. And if they didn't love their job or they gave us feedback, we could have open and, and honest and courageous conversations with them. But secondarily, we asked for their permission and we said, can we use this in our recruiting? And we said, and they said, yes. And so we we put them on our website. Why do you love to work here? Why do you love your job? They felt great because they were being featured and they were able to 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 show the world why it's a great place to work. We felt great because we were learning why they liked it. We would double down on what the reasons were for liking it. And if they if things weren't showing up, we'd be able to talk to them. So I think there are a few ways, like you know, that, that organizations can really. Um, improve that kind of continuous retention because culture is not a transactional thing. Culture is not a ping pong table that, that gets installed and happens one day. Culture is not one health benefit. Culture is um, is built just kind of organically, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our company into every Friday, we send out an email uh, called the chain of recognition email. and And, and, and one employee um, basically nominates or selects another employee for recognition every Friday. And we live our values. We have four values, speed, innovation, collaboration, and caring. And so every Friday, we get an email. It's the best part of my week. Friday afternoon, it typically comes. And it says, Greg is my, my pick this week for the chain of recognition. He um, you know, exemplifies our values of collaboration and caring because of X, Y, and Z. Next Friday, it's your turn. It's sort of uh, paying it forward, right? And, and then Greg writes an email and he says, Jane or Mira or Serena, whoever it is, they live this, um, you know, they live th- th- these into values. And it's just a cool, gentle reminder for us that um, we're human beings here.
1: Yeah. And
0: we're all working hard and we're all stressed out in various areas in the world, whether it's a pandemic or whatever it might be. And, uh, and I think a small um, recurring Uh, practice like that can go a really long way.
1: So I want to make sure I'm clear. I love the chain of recognition uh, that you talked about. So all the employees will send in who they feel is. You're not necessarily taking a vote on this and see who got the most votes. You're just recognizing everybody who got recognized that way.
0: Correct. It's just one person every Friday. So every Friday, one person gets recognized and, and the nominator is the previous week. So it's just a chain that keeps going, and one person is celebrated and recognized every Friday, and it goes around and around the company. Some people have been recognized twice or three times. Some people have joined the company, and they didn't know that the week before, someone you know recognized person A, B, or C. So it is basically a continuous way for us to kind of take a deep breath and say, you know what? This person is doing a great job. This person um, okay. is contributing to our, to our success. And uh, and then it gives you the opportunity also, you know, to do some do something for someone else and nominate someone else. If it's your that, pick.
1: I was confused there. So I, I'm glad we clarified that. I thought you sent it out to everybody and everybody voted on somebody. No votes. Like, how do we narrow that down to just one person? Gotcha. One?
0: Yeah, just a chain keeps on going. Think of when you're, you know, think of those stories you see on you know, TikTok or on social media where you, you've got someone in the Starbucks line and you get there and they said, hey, I'm sorry, sir, ma'am. The person in the car in front of you already paid for you. You're good to go, and you said, "Wow, I'll pay for the person behind me." And it's one yep. of these feel-good things. You yep. know that—that's what we try to create. Create every, every okay. time.
1: That's that's really really powerful. That's a great takeoff on that that concept, in that direction. Look, we've got to get to it. We've talked about the resignation part. In your crystal ball, and I'm gonna start off by starting and phrasing it that way. Sure. 2022, we don't know where the pandemic is gonna take us. We don't know what's gonna happen. Um, What are some of the trends that you're starting to see? Some of my clients said they were gonna go back for the first of the year. Well, they actually started saying they're gonna start to go back in, in September, then they said November, then they said January. So, yeah. what are you starting to see in that direction?
0: Yeah. So the return to work has been delayed exactly as you've mentioned multiple times. Um, most of the HR leaders we speak to who can who have professional workforces that 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 can work virtually are going to stick to a hybrid hybrid work style or remote work style. Of course, organizations many organizations don't have a choice because physical requirements and locations are necessary to be successful. When you're thinking about wider HR trends, of course, the pandemic accelerated many of these like virtual work. Um, I think for me, there's still this, this, there's still a candidate driven market. There's still a hyper-focus on differentiating yourself from a recruitment perspective, but I think savvy organizations are taking a long-term view on reskilling and upskilling. That's sort of the biggest trend for me for 2022 and beyond. Um, so give me, common, let's, I think
1: let's, let's just stop for a second here. Sure. Rescale. You said rescaling and upscaling. Rescaling and upscaling. Correct. Okay. Let's, let's kind of define that just a little bit if we can. What, what, yes. are you, what are you seeing companies do?
0: Yeah. So according to SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Managers, it takes something like six to nine months to replace an employee. Six to nine months of the previous employer's employee's salary to replace them if you lose yes. them. So instead of losing someone, what's the best thing to do? Let's upskill them. Let's train them. Let's keep them happy. Let's keep them um, having these career pathways. So there's been a big focus on work-specific skills. There's been a big focus on, let's get you upskilled in social media or in Microsoft Excel or great planes if you're an accountant. Let's get you these hard tech skills, right? And there are amazing sites out there and you know Coursera and edX and all these really great things that you can learn. Professional development, big investment, LD professional development. And it's been booming for years, and I think it will get stronger and stronger. The trend that I think will live on top of that is how do we build pathways for people to be successful as managers and want to stay at your company? And that's not just a skill in your job. That's not just an accounting skill. But that is a skill as a leader. That is a skill as a communicator. That is a skill as a teammate, And a skill as a teammate, right? How can I work better better with others? And so um, I think the, there's going to be a, a further boom in career coaching and softer skills, communication skills, leadership training, and organizations that, that have these programs, mentorship programs, potentially, uh, listening programs, give us feedback. Let's be an authentic, open organization that provides feedback. Um, leadership development programs, not just for the executives, not just for the C-suite, right, but right. for everyone. They're going to be the ones that keep their talent. And their talent's going to be the happiest because Mm. they're going to have the opportunity to grow and to be a manager, to be a better communicator, to have that professional development. So, I think that's that. That's when I say upskilling and reskilling. I I mean both in work-specific skills, but also in um, In the
1: softer side.
0: In the softer in the softer side, Mm. yeah. I think it's critical.
1: It's it's absolutely critical there. Um, in a lot of workshops I talk about. You know, people have taken leadership programs and they're offered lots across the country, different styles, different ways, they're they're there. What most companies have not done, and I'm starting to see, and I'm curious to your thoughts here, instead of a leadership program, are you starting to see more programs about followership?
0: Yes, and I think team building, I think strengths, finding your strengths, um, understanding how to navigate in, in this virtual world, uh, absolutely. I think team building is a, is a key part of modern professional development and career coaching and not only leadership and fellowship, but interactions around things like um, uh, stressful situations or burnout, right? Because, okay. you know, y- there's a hyper focus right now on culture and mental health. Uh, I think there was a study recently from Mercer that said something like 40% of workers are using their mental health or coaching benefits if they've got them. I mean, that's probably the highest on record in history to take wow. advantage of those benefits. So leadership and followership, ha- followership has to also include um, how am I able to balance my work and my life here? How am I able to balance my colleagues? Um, and I think and that means something big...
1: so different today than it did ten years ago. Correct. Because people working from home. Oh, I'm working from home but they're working longer.
0: Correct. Exactly right. Because yeah. they
1: no longer have the hour plus commute each way. Yeah. And so burnout is settling in, in many different directions.
0: Exactly. And it's not just the commute, which is, which is a great one. It's also the deep breath and the walk from the office to the, my friend's office to talk about the Patriots last night or the Ravens last night or whoever it might be. It's yes, there's Slack. Yes, there's am and Microsoft Teams, but but human moments, it's not the same thing. Flexing that muscle is important. And, um, and making sure that you can do it in a virtual way that is inclusive and that you can do it in a virtual way where, um, where people don't have that burnout. It's, it's a huge challenge, so What, are you, what challenge. are you
1: seeing the top companies do that direction? I've had several people on the podcast over the last uh, eight, nine months that have shared some ideas. I'm just curious what you've seen happening.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would double down on what I mentioned earlier around sort of um, active listening and engagement. We try to come on all hands meetings. We try to do half an hour breakout rooms every month where we don't talk about work, where we come on and try to replicate and replace a conversation that you might have at lunch. Um, you know, it sounds silly, but even something as easy as a coffee, you know, having a virtual coffee or a virtual happy hour, if you're working virtually you know, if you're not working in a physical office, can um, can replace that. But really, it's checking in. It's it's the importance of over communication yeah. and checking in. I did not have to do that as much when I saw everyone in the parking lot. By definition, if I parked my car in the morning right next to my CFO's car, I would check in. You know, in, I would check in reactively. We'd walk in. How are you? Great. And now I'm not parking my car next to him or her, so I need to proactively check in. So leaders, right. um, anyone, teammates, just check in. See how it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really appreciated it as a CEO of the organization. When my colleagues have done the same for me, they know I'm in. I'm, I'm stuck in a house. I've got two kids. Same exact thing. Everyone's dealing with something. Someone knows someone that's either sick or someone knows someone that's lost their job. So um, everyone's has some level of, of difficulty in their life at any given time. And at work, that decompresses a little bit when you see someone there that's that, that's there for you. Um, virtually, you need to you need to create those moments. Yeah. You have to exercise one, uh, that
1: muscle. One person I had, on, I think I was on a podcast or a client somewhere was talking, what they do is they take the Calendly app and they mm-hmm. have a, set, a day that's blocked open morning that every employee, if they want to, they can just click a 15-minute window just to, hey, let's Love do it. a quick Zoom, 15 minutes here. The employee can check in that way. And he's yes. sense, encouraged the employees to create that same thing on their calendar. Hey, I want to just check in, pop in. And 10, 5, 10 minutes yes. is all it takes. Just say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? We have to create that water cooler moment. And I hate to say it has to be forced. And it's not forcing it. It just we have to create it so that it can happen more organically.
0: agree, Hunter. Very powerful and, uh, and, and necessary. And organizations that are working so fast, we're more productive at home. We're not more productive strategically and mentally. We're more productive tasks-wise. And we can't yeah. lose out. On human connectivity and strategy and and the value that work brings to us, which is purpose and teammates and collaboration.
1: Wow. We've got a lot. We've covered a lot in in a very short period of time, Yair. Mm -hmm. This has been fascinating. I really appreciate your energy and everything. Hopefully we can get you back on here um, and maybe the next season and just talk a little bit more about where things are and the, the strategy and the visionary aspects of you know, where 22 is going to take us, you know, that's, that's the biggest challenge that we've all got today. We just don't know where it's going to go. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I would love to continue the conversation. Thanks so much.
1: All right. I really appreciate your time today. And folks just remember once a week with the teamwork advantage, you get ideas that you can implement immediately and here shared several with us today, go back and listen again. Some of the key points this podcast moves quickly. Once a week, you can pick up ideas that you can start to implement immediately. Until next week, always remember that having a good day is just being average. We don't want you to have an average day. Go out and make today excellent and exceptional. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's t e a m s r o c k.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.